Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're listening to The Contest and Me, a podcast from the Euro Trip. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Euro Trip, or specifically... The Eurotrips, The Contest and Me. It's the penultimate episode of this series presented by me, Rob, and him, James. Hi, Rob. Hi, everyone. Oh, I don't know if I like the word penultimate. Not just as a word, but I mean in terms of this series. I don't like the fact that we're coming to an end of another series of The Contest and Me because it's such a great series to bring you because we get to sit down and chat with some of the biggest fans of the Eurovision Song Contest and we're going to be doing exactly that today as we chat to the vixen Jenny Ryan. Yes, Jenny Ryan, star of The Chase, of course, one of the biggest quiz shows here on UK television. She was also on The X Factor Celebrity and James, she's also got her own podcast as well. Yeah, Fingers on Buzzers, a great podcast. So if you're from the UK, if you've ever put the TV on, I'm sure you're going to know who Jenny Ryan is. She's been on loads of other quiz shows like University Challenge, Only Connect and Mastermind, I think, the trio of uh, BBC Two Monday evenings. Uh, So I'm sure you're going to know who Jenny is. She's a great quizzer, but she's also a huge fan of the Eurovision Song Contest. And also on this episode, of course, we can't not talk about what has been a very important week for Eurovision 2023 news. We are down to a final two. It is Glasgow versus Liverpool for who will host Eurovision next year. So we'll be chatting a little bit about that as well. So we've got all that and more to come on this episode of the Eurotrips, the contest and me. Like what you're hearing? Find us on socials at Eurotrip Podcast or drop us an email. Hello at EurotripPodcast.com. So here we are then, as we said at the start of today's episode, the penultimate edition of the contest and me for 2022. It may return in 2023. But between now 
and potentially the next series of The Contest and Me, we have the small matter of the Eurovision Song Contest. And James, it's been a very busy day, very busy day, not just in the world of Eurovision, but for me and you, because this is in fact the second time that we have recorded this episode. Yeah, hello again, Rob. <laughs> I remember when we recorded a few hours ago, I said we were recording on Tuesday, the 27th of September at 1.52 in the afternoon, which was, I think, about 40 minutes before that new mini shortlist of Liverpool and Glasgow was announced. And then we thought, well, we've recorded it and now there's some more news. We can't really release that. So we're back again recording. Yes, if I just give you the highlights of that episode that you will never get to hear, it's effectively us apologising for not being able to bring you whatever the news might have been because James is going for a curry. (laughs) But James is still going for a curry, but he's doing it after this. So it is still happening, the curry, isn't it? What what are you going to get? It is. My deadline is now sooner than it was earlier on, so we should get a move on. I don't know. I remember I went to this place last time and got a railway curry, which I don't know. Is that a flavour? I'm not really sure, but I can update you again next time we chat. I'll be honest with you. I've never heard of that type of curry in my <laughs> life. But yeah, here we are. Liverpool versus Glasgow. Very, very exciting. Very different to Turin, it's safe to say. Um, I don't think we'll be getting as much sunshine as we got at Eurovision last year, perhaps. Not that I saw much of it because it was in isolation for the whole of Eurovision week, pretty much. But the less said about that, the better. (laughs) James, when it comes to Eurovision 2023, I think it is now time for you to reveal yourself as having been (laughs) fairly heavily involved in one city in particular's bid for Eurovision 2023. And I don't think it'll take people long to guess which city that was. Yeah, I wonder which city it was. Newcastle, of course. Yeah, for most Eurovision fans, I imagine today was full of excitement because we got some more news. We got closer to a host city announcement. But yeah, for me, it was bittersweet, really, because I've been lucky enough to be supporting Newcastle's efforts to bring the Eurovision Song Contest to Newcastle on behalf of Ukraine, of course, in 2023. Uh, It was such a strong team. I'll not talk about this for very long, I promise. But it was a, a small team, but a very strong team who put in an extremely strong bid. And I've honestly, I've never been more proud to say I'm from Newcastle and to be a Eurovision fan at the same time. So yeah, unfortunately, it won't be in Newcastle, but we've got two cities that are still vying to host it. And rest assured, we'll be uh, supporting whichever one wins that race. Definitely. Whichever one has the cheapest hotel. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking, of course. But yeah, we'll be there wherever it is in Eurovision in 2023. But you've undersold yourself there. And I'm not going to let you talk because you said before we start recording, you didn't want to sound braggy. I wanted it for you. (laughs) What an incredible opportunity that you had to be part of a city's bid to host the Eurovision Song Contest, to be part of your home city's bid to host the Eurovision Song Contest. When will that ever happen again? Hopefully in your lifetime, because it means the UK will have won Eurovision. But (laughs) what an incredible opportunity. So from me and the listeners, to you very well done that's very kind of you i feel like you know when people do an uh, an awards acceptance speech and they have to try and remember all of the names of the other people who helped them or worked on it so i'm not going to do it but maybe if you go and look at my twitter i've put some names on there and those are the people who should also be thanked because it was a great team and yeah as i said before very proud to have been part of that process 
we move on, the world of the Eurovision Song Contest is never static and all eyes now on those cities of Liverpool and Glasgow. Where will host Eurovision 2023? We definitely don't know where we'll host Eurovision 2023. We don't even know where we'll host Eurovision 2023, but we will definitely find out very soon. Uh, Before we get to today's big guest on the contest and me, I must tell you, at the time that we are recording this, we put a poll out on Twitter earlier on saying, Liverpool or Glasgow? Where are you hoping we'll be next May? Uh, Do you want to know what the current results are, James? I feel like, is it pretty close? (laughs) Is it close to 50-50 by any chance? It is exactly (laughs) 50-50. So that doesn't tell us anything at all, does it? It doesn't. We've still got to wait uh, a few more weeks. I think the BBC said within weeks, whatever that means. It could be next week, the week after, who knows. But rest assured, whenever we find out, I promise we'll bring you the best possible coverage of the announcement uh, here on the Eurotrip. We certainly will. But before we get to that, it is the penultimate episode of The Contest and Me. And arguably, I was going to say our biggest guest on The Contest and Me so far, but that is not fair because we have had some fantastic guests on the series. But today, James, you have been chatting to one of the stars of one of the biggest TV quiz shows here in the UK, a huge lover of the Eurovision Song Contest, Jenny Ryan. I have indeed, yeah. Star of ITV game show The Chase, all-round quizzer, knower of everything, pretty much. Although, when it comes to Eurovision, maybe not. But I'll let Jenny tell you all about that a little bit later on. Jenny is a huge fan of the Eurovision Song Contest, just like me, just like you, just like the rest of our guests we've had on the Eurotrip over the last few weeks. And she'll tell you some amazing stories about her connection to the contest from when she first fell in love with it and that had something to do with a school choir, if I remember rightly. And also, if you remember back to 2019, she also took part in the celebrity version of The X Factor. And there's a tremendous little story in there about a certain Simon Cowell. And he seems to like Eurovision more than you might imagine. Yeah, it's not often that Simon Cowell comes up on an episode of the Euro Trip. So I'm very, very excited to hear what Jenny has to say about Simon Cowell and his, like you alluded to there, James, interest, shall we say, in the Eurovision Song Contest. Because when we went through those wilderness years, I say those wilderness years as if we're very clearly out of the wilderness years now. <laughs> we had one good result, so I probably wouldn't shouldn't get ahead of myself. But do you remember in the wilderness years, everyone was like, Simon Cowell should be responsible for the UK's Eurovision selection. Anyway, I digress. But Jenny has some fantastic stories, including... And I'm really pleased someone has mentioned them because they haven't come up so far. Love City Groove, when the UK took cool to Eurovision in the 90s, or at least what was the 90s equivalent of cool. (laughs) I was going to say, maybe not the 2022 equivalent of cool. Although, I should say, maybe a guilty pleasure of mine. Anyway, shall we get to this week's conversation here on The Contest and Me as I sat down with the vixen, Jenny Ryan. Jenny Ryan, welcome to the Eurotrips, the contest and me. Hello, thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure of mine. Thank you so much for coming along. Um, I want to start by chatting about the 2022 contest. It's something I've said to all of our guests so far in the series, and I'll say it again to you. It feels like two minutes ago, but also about a thousand years ago at the same time. What does it feel like to you? That's yeah, that's the vibe. Absolutely. Um, It feels like it was just last week I was uh, sitting around at my friend James's house watching it and um and yeah 
it was many months ago now. (laughs) (laughs) Talk to us about your Eurovision setup for this year. You said you were at a a friend's house. Uh, Was was there a bit of a party with some European food, European uh, drinks on the go? Not so much. We were we were quite sedate, really. Normally, if I was back home in Bolton, I'd be round at my Auntie Vic's house, and she always does a big party. She has flags, she has snacks, she has cocktails, um, she has uh, you know voting papers, and <laughs> yeah, it gets it can get a little bit wild. But no, I went round to my friend James's house. He's a he's one of my quiz friends, along with uh, two more quizzers. Uh, we had Jack and Gabriel, and um, Gabriel happens to look quite a lot like this year's UK entry. A bit like Sam Ryder. <laughs> <laughs> long, long, long sort of sandy hair, very lustrous. And so I'd got him to let his hair down and take his glasses off. And I took a photo <laughs> and sent it to my mum. I was like, oh, my God, look who I'm watching Eurovision with. Went, oh, my God, where did you meet him? <laughs> Mum, I just took this photo. I think Sam Ryder's a little bit busy right now. <laughs> just my friend Gabriel. <laughs> oh, wonderful. So it was sort of like an inadvertent fancy dress from them, was it? <laughs> yeah, I feel like we all should have uh we, we all should have contributed some sort of uh, look alike to the to the uh proceedings. But no, no, um maybe next year. That's quite a good idea. I think so. I mean so. it's but but also Gabriel will not be allowed to turn up as Sam Ryder. <laughs> I was going to say, he has to do something else next year, surely. <laughs> but we had such a joyful evening. It was honestly one of the best, one of the best nights of the year. It usually is anyway, but I think I think probably overall this was my favourite Eurovision because it just felt so joyful. The standard was so high and everybody threw themselves into it, which was, well, you've not seen that every single, certainly not every year I've been watching it. <laughs> Um, I remember childhood it being sort of a you know a bit of a, a jokey thing, but now it's the 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 quality across the board was incredible. We enjoyed pretty much every entry and had some some positive things to say. Not been able to say that in some years gone by. <laughs> I was going to say definitely. I think most would agree the standard over the last few years has increased steadily. Uh, year after year, which is great. You mentioned your childhood, your younger years. Shall we rewind and head back there uh, yes. for your first ever Eurovision memory? Is that easy for you to pinpoint, Jenny? It's not for someone with quite a good memory. I don't, I've looked back and I don't remember watching it when I was very young. So um, my first Eurovision memory was um, watching a show that was called Record Breakers back okay. in the olden days, which was co-hosted by Cheryl Baker. So oh. I knew Cheryl Baker as a kids' TV presenter, <laughs> whereas the rest of my family went, ha, 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 it's her off books, Fizz. And um, so that was my first sort of Eurovision reference that I remember in my life. Um, and I remember when I started to get into music, sort of uh, pop music in the uh, you know early 90s, um, you know, Sonia had a new song out and it, oh, it's the Eurovision entry. Oh, it must. Well, I loved Sonia anyway. She was great. I loved all the stock cake and Waterman stuff. Um, and probably the first Eurovision I really watched was 95 because I started getting smash hits then. And they were making a big fuss about Love City Groove and they had, you know, the pull out lyrics and everything. So that was probably the first actual contest I sat and watched. But I did not understand what was happening. 
<laughs> First of all, tell me, do you remember the, any of the lyrics to Love City Groove? Surely, is it, are they in the back of the mind somewhere? Just, just Love City Groove. Just Love City Groove. That's all I remember about it. Um, it, it I don't think it was one of our greatest ever entries. Um, I mean, it's no who are just a little bit. Which <laughs> does it's it's in my top five of all time. Some <laughs> more have listen, stood the test of time, haven't they? Yeah, I listened to Gina G at least once a week. I think I think we all do. I think it's a rite of passage, isn't it, for any Eurovision fan to do that. <laughs> uh, you know, when you were watching it in, in 1995 then, obviously for all of us, when we watch it for the first time, were you the same as me? You always have these interesting thoughts about, ooh, what's this? What's going on here? Because it doesn't look like any other TV show that you would typically watch, does it? No, no. It, it, I don't think it was ever a thing in our family um, until I was an adult and we we decided that we could all make a drinking game out of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so it wasn't until sort of 95, 96, where I started spending weekends with my stepmom's family. So basically her mum would be looking after us and, the, and my little step-siblings. And she really loved Eurovision. So she was sort of talking, talking me through it and explaining you know the rivalries between different countries and then we have voting and you get 12 points and then 10 but what's doesn't make any sense the voting doesn't (laughs) and then but it meant that by two years later by 97 which was the first full contest I remember I remember it beginning to end I remember being excited about it starting and sitting down and being annoyed at other people for walking past the tv watching the whole thing and what a year to really get into it to be honest I mean that that was me absolutely sold but and I did need someone to talk me through it because it's it's completely unlike anything ever <laughs> it's it's not your usual Saturday night Saturday night fair is it Except it is multiplied. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just <laughs> on a global scale almost nowadays. Is that, if we move on then to the moment you fell in love with Eurovision, do you think that was probably 97 then, if that's the moment you remember watching it from beginning to end? And of course, we know who won in 97, so it probably it was a good moment to fall in love, I imagine. Yeah, it was It was perfect timing. I mean, I was I was 15, so I was quite old to be probably getting into it I think a lot of people have always had it in the life and so I, I was I feel like a bit of a late bloomer um, but that was that was such a magnificent year I think there was there were some great quality entries and Ronan Keating was hosting it so that was another way in for for a young pop fan and then for United Kingdom to win so convincingly with a song that we'd sung in pop choir so I knew all the lyrics anyway. Oh, had you? You've got to tell us about that. <laughs> yes. Give me an idea about what was going on there. Did you know it was the Eurovision entry at that time then, did you? We did, yeah. We were making, there, there was a lot of fuss about it. There's a lot of hype. And I don't really remember before then there being so much hype nationally. I mean, it was on the news and everything, the build-up. In in a way that it's it, it's happened a few times since, and particularly this year, there was a lot of sort of national press and airplay and everything for the, the UK entry that that's that's sort of the first time I remember it being this could win this is a quality entry we're all singing it everyone in the school was singing it um lots of lots of uh harmonizing obviously <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it was a good one it was a good one for for that sort of, that sort of thing pop choir oh my goodness <laughs> I was gonna say when was the last time you've ever told that story I imagine that's a long time ago is it <laughs> it is it is yes yeah but I, I feel like I probably could 
drop back into it, get into, get back into my soprano harmony line. Right, we've if still got some members of if some members of Thornley Pop Choir <laughs> want to give me a ring and reunite, and we'll just we'll just blast out "Love Shine a Light." Well, if any of them are listening, then uh, then please get in touch with Jenny and let's make it happen again. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember what the celebrations were like when uh, when Katrina won on the night when you were watching? Did you sort of understand the the scale and the significance of it? I didn't quite get the, how big it was, and um, I, I knew it. It just made me feel joyful. I mean, we seeing the country you come from win a thing. I think whether or not you're into that sport or that competition it's it's still a great feeling you you ride a little bit of a crest of a wave and it felt like that for a few days because it was on the news broadcast for the next few days and I was sitting there going I watched that I was I felt like I was part of it you feel like you're you know we we'd we'd voted we'd rung up and voted during the competition so we were part of it obviously you can't vote for your home nation but it felt the felt the sense of ownership and the sense of the democracy of it was it i felt it felt really joyful and empowering at the same time it's probably like you know baby's first taste of democracy <laughs> <laughs> i wonder if there's many other people as well i'm just going off on a tangent here but i wonder if many other people have the same opinion because that was the first time that televoting was actually trialed and then it mm. was rolled out fully the, the year after so maybe there's other people who sort of got more engaged because they could vote who knows maybe somebody can do some sort of investigation into that at some point um anyway jenny can we do favourite Eurovision year? And this can be for any reason whatsoever. It could be the variety of songs. It could be the hosts. Whatever it means to you. This, this sounds really trite, but 2022. I think it's... It, I think this was a peak of Eurovision. It's Of the ones that I've been alive to see, this was such consistent high quality. It had everything I really wanted from the competition. And it had a joyful outcome, both in the sense that my home nation was recognised as being one of the best because it was a, a fantastic entry, but also that wave of love from the entire continent for our our brother country, which is in trouble, Ukraine. It's it was such a, a lovely thing overall. So there was there was so many elements to it that came together to make it such a, a a beautiful moment and made me feel proud. There's not many things that, that will make you feel proud. I mean, at the, you know, the England men's football team got to the, the um, final of the Euros and you should feel proud about that. But then you saw people shoving fireworks up the bum on the street and drinking to excess and, you know, trying to get into the stadium without tickets. Not you thought, why do you have to spoil it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas this kind of event, there was nothing to spoil it. It was just lovely. And it 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 it, it made everybody in the... But I was in the room with, you know, we were almost crying. <laughs> Four adults had tears in our eyes because it just felt like such a beautiful moment. And we'd had a brilliant evening's entertainment as well. We'd had a brilliant week's entertainment, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think this year has shown just how far Eurovision has come. And especially since lockdown, I think I think the, the pandemic has 
refocus people on um on, on quality entertainment and creating beautiful things and putting effort into things and that's i think that really reflects in the quality of of the entries across the board I, i'm not sure if you if you agree with that overall you you you're probably um a, a bit more aware of of all the entries that i all, all, the, all the attempted entries you <laughs> see <laughs> Yeah, no, you, yeah, you're right, and I think we we said it before, didn't we? That where the 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 uh, the the appeal and the standard of Eurovision has really increased over the last couple of years, and and maybe again it is because of lockdown. We had that year break from it; people could sort of take a step back from it, and maybe some countries and broadcasters came back with a a bit of a different vision for it. I, I don't know. Maybe yeah. does that come across to you? I think so, and and, and particularly the UK, I think. The UK has been struggling for so many years to work out what, how to pitch it. Because we had a little, you know, we had, you know, Daz Sampson and we had Scooch, which were fun. And, you you know, great, almost novelty songs, really. Although, I, I, again, I still listen to Scooch on the, on the regular. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and then trying, um, you know, vintage acts and then trying fairly current pop acts and nothing was quite hitting. And I think it now, it dawns on on the people in charge that it's about the quality of the song and it always has been and and, and tuning into um, the zeitgeist and what else is going on and, and what people want to hear. And that's, they've finally hit a sweet spot <laughs> this one year. It could all go to, to pop next year, who knows? <laughs> but I think that's, it is. It's a. It's been a time to refocus, and to to put energy back into it, and to take to take the competition seriously enough. Yeah, perfect reasoning for twenty twenty two being your favorite contest. Maybe if we had this conversation in a year's time, you'd say twenty twenty three, and hopefully that is going to be the case for a lot of people because it just improves year on year. Onwards on and year. upwards. Yeah. Exactly. Jenny, let's do favorite Eurovision song again another difficult question because it might change depending on your mood the day of the week <laughs> there's two songs that i think it might be for you so i'll wait and see if you mention them and if you don't i'll bring them up <laughs> um i i think you probably uh, have got the right ones <laughs> let me say them um, is it euphoria and rise like a phoenix then yes yes so i took part in the uh the first and so far only series of x factor <laughs> celebrity and that they the the music team there the the it's very interactive how you decide what songs you're going to perform so i took a list of songs but absolute bang top of the list was rise like a phoenix because you know the moment i heard it and the moment i saw conchita obviously just absolutely wowed and an unforgettable moment the first time I heard that song, and I I really wanted to give it a go. But they 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 told me um, we think Eurovision songs are just too obscure. Um, ITV, you know, maybe the, the the audience aren't really tuned into Eurovision. Maybe it's slightly different audience, um, which they are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and I tried to argue the toss with them, but they weren't having it. Um, so I, uh, for the first live show, I was rehearsing um, a Bonnie Tyler song, oddly enough. Um, and we got to the Wednesday before the live show and it was half past eight at night and my phone rang. And I got a call from uh, uh, Mr. Simon <laughs> <laughs> saying, um, you know, I've heard this this rumour going around that the song you really wanted to do is Rise Like a Phoenix. 
and uh, uh, he said, I don't understand why they they didn't go for it because every year I have the big pre-production meeting and I show them an example of what I want X Factor to look like. And every year I show them the Eurovision Conchita versed Rise Like a Phoenix performance. Wow. I, he said, I think Eurovision is like one of the peak of TV entertainment shows, of music production, of just getting it out to a, a wide audience. And it's one of my favorite songs ever. So <laughs> I know the show's on Saturday and it's Wednesday night now, but you're going to change the song and you're going to do Rise Like a Phoenix. So I had sort of two days to prep it. <laughs> you must have been <laughs> so pleased with Saturday. that though. Oh, I was absolutely delighted because whilst I was enjoying Bonnie Tyler, it didn't mean so much to me as Rise Like a Phoenix. It's 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 such a powerful song and it means a lot to me because the the lyrics just the they um they're, they're really inspirational. Um <laughs> uh, it's one of those brilliant songs about overcoming adversity and being resilient and being the best self you were always meant to be despite bad things happening to you. And that feels like something that can be used to describe my life, but also so many other people's experiences as well. And so the fact that I got to perform that on Saturday night TV with only a couple of days rehearsal with a very (laughs) hastily arranged set, which went on fire, but thankfully controlled fire. Those flames are hot. I was surrounded by a circle of flames <laughs> um, and, and and you know, I, I, I sang the hell out of it. <laughs> I was so proud. I'm gonna fly, fly the out of the ashes So it meant a few weeks later, I got the suggestion was passed down to me. It actually came from um, Lauren Simon Cowell's uh, fiance because she'd seen that first uh, that first performance and she said, "I love Eurovision. Here's another song that I think would suit Jenny, Euphoria." Which I mean, for, it's never been performed on ITV before. <laughs> <laughs> I had a, I had a database of every song that had ever been performed on X Factor. And, of course, you yeah, did. It wasn't. <laughs> Lorraine wasn't on there. <laughs> um, and so I sang that whilst being um, flung up and down on a hydraulic platform <laughs> with, I wasn't fastened in. I had a pole behind me that if I felt unsteady, I could grab, but I was being flung up and down like and looking like the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> but I, that's one of my favorite moments of my entire life is uh, taking part of that. <laughs> And somehow managed to nail both of those performances absolutely perfectly. You must look back and think, God, oh, that's, a, that's a pretty proud moment of mine. Yeah, I I, I will sometimes I'll switch on 
YouTube and I'll pop one of those on or sometimes it auto plays and I, and I I you know I cry because it's a very emotional thing for me to see what other people saw the, the thing with live TV and it must be like this for performers who are in Eurovision it's live so by the time you get home it's gone everybody's had their moment of enjoying it at home but you were on the other side of it. So you, you're you not, it's not like, you know, on the chase, we pre-record, so I'll get to watch it as well and enjoy it or not <laughs> um, at my leisure. But live TV, it's 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 the moment. So everybody's already had the moment and you get home and you've all your adrenaline goes and you think, oh, that was, I wonder if that was good. Was that good? I don't <laughs> And finally you, you have the, the, um, inclination to watch it back <laughs> um you've talked about your day job there i must ask about your eurovision knowledge you know this is sort of quiz knowledge what is it actually like for you as a quizzer because obviously you have to know about so many topics but what is what's your eurovision knowledge actually like um i thought my eurovision knowledge was quite good and i think compared to your average person on the bus it's uh it's it's good and I get most of the Eurovision questions that come up on the chase. However, I'm I'm in a, a quiz league, the Quiz League of London, which for some reason has a, a subculture of the most hardcore Eurovision fans <laughs> who are also hardcore quizzers. They are unbelievable. And they're, they're what they don't know about Eurovision is not worth knowing. These people, they don't just you know, listen to all the songs in advance. They don't just watch the semi-finals. They go to the semi-finals and they go to the qualifying competitions in as many countries as they can and live tweet the whole thing and write reviews. They are, um, I don't want to use this word lightly, but they are insane about <laughs> Eurovision. And so, so they, they, there was a, a Eurovision quiz that one of them had written and I thought, fantastic, I'll enjoy this. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I was terrible compared to, you know, the, the, you couldn't ask them anything that between this other team they did not know. Absolutely astonishing. So um, if you if if you need some ringers for a Eurovision quiz, I've got a few names for you. Don't worry about that. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, we, we can ask you, but you will give us some different names instead. You're not going to be the one to give us yeah, the knowledge. I'll, ref I'll refer you on to you know a little, a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully this is a question you can answer because I want to find out what your most memorable Eurovision moment is. If somebody mentions the word Eurovision to you, what springs to mind? I mean, I've already mentioned Conchita because that was such such an iconic moment and just a, a unbelievable just the production the music the image and just what a wonderful person Conchita is in general um and it was a similar thing when Dana International won I just that was astonishing for representation and it blew a lot of people's minds um probably one of my favorite moments uh, would be Lordy again oh, it's incredible it's, it's completely turning the competition on its head a competition that so many people would write it off as oh it's just it's pop songs and it? it's just pop songs putting a different spin on it and showing the breadth of of 
music that's out there, but also representing the kind of music that is popular in your country. That's not necessarily, oh, let's just chuck a bit of our local folk music in it, which it works a lot. But what if your local music is hard rock? Exactly. <laughs> Go throw it in. And, and I think that's something that did open up the canon quite a lot. But I think it did. It, it meant that a lot of other countries went, oh, we don't we don't just have to put in a pop act. We can. Oh, right. And so that I think if if the, there was no Lordy, then, you know, Italy wouldn't have won in 2021 no way i think that was the development of of putting in different genres with the pop twist of it they've got it's got to be popular popular music but it's 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 broadening everything out and i think that's that's something that's definitely happened i think since the semi-final came in yeah i do wonder about that i was having a conversation with somebody else on this series i think it was emma kelly a, a great journalist from ireland and we were chatting about the noughties in eurovision and it seemed like eurovision didn't really know what it was during the noughties it was trying to find mm. its feet so yeah maybe you're right maybe lordies win with rock music with the combination of the semi-finals which had to you know get the strongest acts through maybe yeah. that was two of the big reasons for eurovision's upward rise since then yeah I I, th- I think that started the ball rolling and started, you know, the 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 genesis of the next generation because that was two thousand and six. It's the next generation of mm-hmm. songwriters who are coming through now. You know, the people who were watching that when they were in their teens are the ones who are performing and writing songs that are that are going out now. So, yeah, it's it makes perfect sense that it was it was a, a formative moment and the fact that there is the there's greater competition means everybody should be and have started to work harder to put in the, the the best entry possible. Absolutely. You mentioned the next generation. It sort of nicely segues us on, on to our next question, which is about the UK for 2023. We've talked about Sam Ryder a little bit already. Uh, how can the UK keep that momentum up for next year? We've recently heard from the BBC. They said they're going to keep this deal with Tap Music, the record label. So Tap Music are going to be in charge of finding an artist. Mm-hmm. What are they going to have to do? What kind of artist should they look for? What kind of song? What what can they do to keep that momentum up that Sam Ryder uh, gave us in 2022? I think the main thing is just to keep concentrating on quality of songwriting because that's that has made the huge difference this year. And obviously, Tap know what they're doing. And I think it's a, a wise decision to see if they can they can keep up the, the, the consistency. Um, I, I wouldn't want to prescribe any particular type of music any particular type of artist um you know it's it's keeping on your toes and and keeping aware of what the trends are and what's what's working for other people and hitting that right balance between serious songwriting and a joy for what you're doing nobody who's jaded and tired of performing somebody who this is their big moment and they're just going to absolutely enjoy it and sometimes you see people who come along and it's oh we've written another song let's do this one (laughs) um and it looks like a chore yeah yeah but uh, sam Ryder smile said it all he was enjoying every moment of that it was it was I, i think that won so many votes just the smile it's so genuine and a love for performance and clearly so proud of that song as well someone who's proud of the product 
and a quality product. That's that's all I can say, really. I I I don't mind who it is, what it is, as long as it's presented with that same um, pride. Absolutely. It's a tough question to ask. I know a load of these questions are quite tough to try and pinpoint, but this one equally so, because it's kind of like, it just has to be a good song and a good artist and it has to look good on stage. That's the crux of it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. And and they've got to mean it. <laughs> you know, the, the people who write the song have got to mean it to be a good song, no matter where it's performed, not just a song for Eurovision. And the people who perform it have got to throw their weight completely behind it. Passion is key. Absolutely. I yeah. can get behind that statement. Uh, Jenny, our last question, my favourite one, I say this all the time because it's a bit hypothetical and it allows you to sort of put the uh, the boss's hat on for a moment. If there's one thing you'd like to see change at the Eurovision Song Contest, what would it be? I know we all love it, but I'm sure there's some aspects that we'd want to change. Yeah. Um, I like the fact that, that uh, the Eurovision responds to, to criticism, you know, with the, when... The show was going on too long. They changed voting system, so it, you know the votes went through quicker. And bringing in the semi-finals, so everyone got a chance. So there's been a lot of change. I, one thing I really like, I quite like when the presenters get bewildered. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I mean, the sh- Mika was great. Yeah. But there's there's always some moments when at least one of the presenters looks like they've never been on TV before and they don't know what's happening next. <laughs> uh, they look kind of panicked. Um, I would like, this was something I came up with earlier and my friends fell about laughing. I would like it to be, you know, like um, before they go on to I'm a Celebrity or Big Brother, they, like, they're in isolation for a week. Mm-hmm. I want the hosts not to know who the other hosts are until the night. <laughs> they just turn up. <laughs> Like minimal, they've rehearsed by themselves, not together. The the, the other names have been redacted. I, I I like those moments of absolute fear, terror, and maybe one of them could be just an amateur, <laughs> <laughs> the one plucked from the crowd. Can you read an auto cue? You're in. Go. Because <laughs> I, I like the, I like the chaos of it. I like that the bits I like are those moments that uh just look baffling like um i was watching the clip of when um it was in serbia and uh Djokovic came on and ended <laughs> up singing a bit of a song with the one of the hosts I, and that it was so bad <laughs> so you're it looking was only for a there bit to of chaos a tennis ball i want i want chaos i want jeopardy i, I don't want it to be completely slick and the, i want the songs to be slickly presented I want them to be fun, individual nuggets. And then in between, you know, anything could happen. Some Someone's forgotten to go off for their costume change and are still, you know, trying to trying to read someone else's lines on the auto cue. Yes, please. Yeah. What's what's next? Um, um, I've lost my script. Yes. <laughs> Chaos. <laughs> I wonder if, the, if some of the bosses are listening to this thinking, I tell you what, we like the idea and we're going to get Jenny to be one of these unwitting... <laughs> Unwitting host, and you then alongside what? who I'll knows who it. else. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, maybe you get voted off in between. <laughs> if you're not doing well, get off. Get someone else in. <laughs> Substitute Rylan in. Come on. Possibly one of my favourite <laughs> answers to that question because most people have come in and gone, mm, yeah, I think we could change the voting a little bit. We could do this, but just chaos and jeopardy. I love it, and Jenny, I absolutely yeah. love that idea. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing quite like it. 
I like it being like this year, three hosts who look like they've never met in their lives. <laughs> Beautiful. Classic Italian <laughs> television by the looks of things. It was yes. when they last hosted it back in the 1990s. Oh, Jenny, this has been absolutely great fun. Thank you so much for taking some time out to have a chat with us here on the podcast. Uh, thank you so much for all of your memories. It's been absolutely great. Anytime. Thank you so much. This is the Euro Trip. When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. James, we say it every week, you say it every week, I say it every week. What a lovely conversation. And I hope whatever you were doing while listening to this, I hope you feel the lovely, warm glow of a Eurovision chat well had. Yeah, hopefully. I really love doing these chats. I don't know about you, Rob. Well, I do know about you, actually, because you've told me you love them as well, and that's why we brought the series back. I hope you do know about me. We've been doing this podcast for long enough. (laughs) But it's so great, isn't it, to chat to like-minded Eurovision fans, because sometimes you go days, weeks, maybe a a month, and you don't chat to anybody who loves Eurovision just as much as you do. So to be chatting to people like Jenny and the rest of the people we've had on the series this year, it's always great to delve under the skin of the Eurovision Song Contest a little bit more, isn't it? Absolutely. And I, for one, am going to start the petition for Jenny's Childhood Choir to open Eurovision 2023. Whether it be in (laughs) Liverpool or Glasgow, that's what I'd like to see. Or maybe, maybe not that particular choir, but maybe we could have a choir made up of like fellow TV quizzes. You know, like the Eggheads. Get them on as well. Like all of them. All of the UK quiz teams and famous quizzes they can get involved like the beast so we've got the eggheads uh the the chasers maybe some of the ones who have won millionaire maybe throw richard osman in there get jeremy Clarkson himself you know he hosts millionaire now doesn't he get him get him front and center i bet he hates eurovision Eurovision. um apologies as well if you're listening to this not from the uk because we have just listed a whole load of names you have no idea who they are but don't worry about it never mind never mind but yeah great again to have jenny on the podcast thank you jenny thank you to you as well for listening i hope you enjoyed that conversation it was the penultimate episode of the contest of me for 2022 which means we've got one more guest to come in this series we certainly do and i don't want to say we've left the best and last because all of the guests have been amazing but I had listened to the interview that you will hear on the next episode of The Contest and Me before I went to bed last weekend. And honestly, I was engrossed by the whole thing. So you're going to love it. And as a little tease, there is a story about what it's like to give a country's points at the Eurovision Song Contest. What it's like to be a country spokesperson. Also... There's also a story about being the head of a national jury at the Eurovision Song Contest. So maybe if you're a Eurovision encyclopedic extraordinaire, that's not a phrase, but you know what I mean. Maybe you can piece together who on earth that actually is. If you were a Eurovision encyclopedic, in, 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 I can't even remember what the other <laughs> word you said there was, uh, you would have been able to say that word properly, but now also I can't. So moving on. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Keep voting. If at the time you're listening to this, our poll is still up, by the way, Liverpool or Glasgow, head over at Eurotrippodcast.com to do that. Absolutely. And in the meantime, until we're back with you for the final episode of The Contest and Me for 2022, make sure you subscribe, leave us a review and rate us five stars. From me, James, it's goodbye. And from me, Rob, it's goodbye.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.